0: Welcome to 312 Studios, and I'm your host, Aaron. Today, here on Sipping Coffee with Saucy, we got a very special episode. I got a very special guest with me. Her name is Carrie. So, everybody, let's uh, say hi to Carrie.
1: Hey, what's up?
0: Okay, so um, on today's episode, we're going to talk about David and Goliath. It's a real epic battle, uh, famously known all across the world for this um very epic battle that took place against uh David and Goliath um it took place in uh what was the um in Gath yeah i think i think that's what it was Gath and um it to me personally it was the most unfair battle in the history of battle i mean there's been a lot of battles but this one was really really uh, a lopsided one side it was really one sided and the reason why I say that is because one person did not have a chance. Like, there was zero possibility of him winning, and that was Goliath. It was just really, it was, it was. there was no match. And the reason why, I, I'm, I'm kind of going to explain it to you in detail as I go uh, through 1 Samuel 17. It says that a champion named Goliath was from Gath came out of the Philistines camp. His height was six cubits and a span. He had a bronze helmet on his head and wore a coat of scale armor of bronze weighing 5,000 shekels. On his legs, he wore bronze greaves and, and a bronze javelin. He slung on his back. His spear shaft was like a weaver's rod and its iron point weighed 600 shekels. His shield barrier went ahead of him. And so if when you look at this particular verse it shows the 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 the, the magnitude of his armor. And so this battle is really about uh armor the, the the seen armor against the unseen armor. And so this shows the how Goliath had his armor and how it was uh it was, I mean if you was to look at it it, was, it would kind of be like intimidating. Um compared to what David had, which was um, nothing. And so, you know, this armor, I mean, a lot of us face different Goli- Goliaths in our lives, and sometimes it could be intimidating. And the the, the magnitude of, of what you're facing in life, uh, whatever you may be going through, it could be intimidating at some point. Gary?
1: So what scripture are you reading?
0: Uh first Samuel seventeen.
1: Help me understand why you're saying it was not a fair battle.
0: Because David had an armor that you could not see. And David's armor was a winning armor. Like Goliath had all this had had all this great armor, but it was it was the wrong armor it was completely the wrong armor. Uh, you know, he, he had all this this grand armor on, but it was the unseen armor that David put on that gave him the victory. And if you take up this unseen armor, which is, you know, it, says, it goes on to say back in the, in, the, in the scriptures that they offered David a helmet. Um, they offered him a, a breastplate. They offered, and he said that, I, I don't I don't need it because I can't move in it that's what that's was his excuse to uh the king says I can't move in this
1: well he was more polite than that he said I'm not used to it
0: yeah he's not used to it and anytime you try to battle the enemy with the same thing he has which they tried to give David the same thing they gave the G- Goliath and anytime in life when I'm facing a personal Goliath and I try to battle, that with the same thing he has it restricts your movement you, you i mean you just you can't move forward and and it feels like you can't defeat the Goliath because you cannot win against the enemy with the same thing the enemy has
1: well actually if you back up to 1st Samuel 13 you'll see that the Philistines had the whole battle stacked in their favor so they didn't come to the battle with the same armor 1 Samuel 13, 19, not a blacksmith could be found in the whole land of Israel because the Philistines had said, otherwise the Hebrews will make swords or spears. So all Israel went down to the Philistines to have their plow points, mattocks, axes, and sickles sharpened. The price was two-thirds of a shekel for sharpening plow points and mattocks and a third of a shekel for sharpening forks and axes and for repointing goats so on the day of the battle not a soldier with saul and jonathan had a sword or spear in his hand only saul and his son jonathan had them so the israelites came to the battle without sharp weapons because the philistines had already made a tactical move against them at that point
0: it's, uh, verse 38 it says then saul dressed david in his own tunic he put a coat of armor on him and a bronze helmet.
1: Now we know that that was one of two in the whole Israelite camp.
0: David David didn't need that because he had the helmet of salvation. David fastened on his sword over his tunic and tried walking around because he was not used to them. I cannot go in these, he said to Saul, because I am not used to them. Anytime you battle in the spiritual realms, You need to go, you need to face that battle with what you're used to. And that is something that's unseen, which is God. You need to face it in the spiritual realms. David was not comfortable fighting against something he could feel, touch. His his battles were fought spiritually. And um, it's very important. And and, uh, like say COVID-19, this is a huge Goliath that, uh, many of you who are out there listening could be facing like this is something that's huge of a Goliath type but if you would put on the the uh, the invisible armor the helmet of salvation the, the the belt of truth the the shield of faith, the feet of peace I mean that Goliath don't have a chance it really doesn't it, it has no chance when you put on that armor of God. It, it, it uh, totally defeats any Goliath out there, I feel.
1: I think when you start with just going into spiritual battle and you're facing a giant, that's not so hard. But it didn't start there. The battle with Goliath starts in the mind. Just like COVID-19 doesn't start with a virus, it starts with a spirit of fear. Goliath didn't just show up and David went and knocked him out. He showed up on the battle lines, had the entire army, who had no sharp weapons, by the way, saying, I'm twice the size that you are. Come out and fight me, and if you can defeat me, you won. We will be subject to you. So they were stricken with fear for days on end, day after day. It had slowly etched away at their minds before they even got to the moment of throwing the first blow.
0: Exactly. Okay. verse 41. Meanwhile, the Philistine with this shield bearer in front of him kept coming closer to David. He looked David over and saw that he was little more than a boy glowing with health, handsome and despised him. He said to David, am I a dog that you come at me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. Come here, he said, and I'll give you. I'll give your flesh to the birds and the wild animals. And so this particular verse 41 shows how small Goliath really was to David. And I, I really wish David would have said something like, it's not recorded, but I wish he would have used some humor and would have been like, you said it, not me. You know what I mean? Obviously, <laughs> like, Because he was that small. Goliath was that small. Oh, okay. Goliath was that small. To David, he was small like a dog. Because David, if you look, if you look back, David killed a lion and a bear with his bare hands.
1: Actually, it doesn't say he killed them with his bare hands. But he, he, we assume that he had been using his stone-throwing sling. He says do that.
0: it says he struck. Uh, says he struck him in a he jaw. Struck them, or, but
1: what did he strike him with? A stone or his hands? Yeah,
0: but. It, it, Either was he whether he was using a I don't care what he was using, a lion, an angry lion is compared to ten humans ten humans, and so for him to defeat a, a Goliath was one person, and so actually David didn't need nothing. he didn't need actually he didn't even need a, sli- a, a stone and a sli- David could have went up to Goliath and killed him and just killed him like that because he was no match. I mean. After killing a lion and a bear, that's like I'm looking at somebody's like that's it. That's I mean you I mean compared to a lion and a bear, you know he was a very he was like a dog, and that's why Goliath said you come at me with sticks like I'm a dog. And they was like, I mean yeah, <laughs> you know it's like basically the obstacle was that small, you know, because David was just a bad dude. You know before there was Bruce Lee, there was David. He was just that type of dude. You know, and everybody knows the story how David went on to defeat many, many people in the um, in the armies of um, in many battles. He was a great warrior.
1: He was, but at this point, he's just a boy. If we go back to 1 Samuel fourteen, this is verse fifty-two. It's the conclusion of the chapter. It says, "All the days of Saul, there was bitter war with the Philistines." And whenever Saul saw a mighty or brave man, he took him into his service. So we know that the men surrounding David were capable, ample warriors. And here's just this barely a child. He was good looking. He was healthy. He was running around in the sunshine with the sheep all the time, showing up with his slingshot. But I think that there's something to be said for what you're talking about. What are you used to? Now, all of these capable warriors with the weapons. They could fight the Philistines. There was bitter war, and sometimes the Philistines won, and sometimes the Israelites won. Aside from Goliath, it could have been a fair fight, but there was this battle in the mind going on to tear them down, and that's what David wasn't privy to. Jesse had eight sons. The older three sons were there. He's just the youngest brother. He's being sent out because his dad's, worried about his brothers. He says, here, take these provisions, go to the front lines, talk to your brothers, see what's going on, bring back words of comfort to me so I'm not scared that something bad is happening to my sons in war. That's where David's like, what's going on here? And they say, yeah, this, this giant shows up every day challenging somebody to come fight him. And then David says, well, what will be done for the man who actually defeats him
0: he actually acts it a couple times like he acts it like twice or three times he, he is like he's going around saying like what what will be done if i do this and this and this?"
1: And they tell him the answer at this point david's brother shows up and it's like for real you pesky little brother you're here causing trouble you're
0: i know how conceited you are that's what he that's what he actually said
1: that's one of the things he said He said, I know how conceited you are and how wicked your heart is. You came down only to watch the battle. He came down at his father's request and obedience to his father's will. It says
0: twice in these particular verses that David ran to the front of the line. And so it shows you all the different ways he utilized his armor. And this shows how he utilized the, the feet of peace because Anytime you're going against an enemy, you can have that confidence and move forward without fear. Um, I was facing a Goliath uh, about a week ago, and I was given a confidence and a peace that was just out of this world. And I was able to run towards the Goli- I was able to run towards the Goliath in my life because I had the feet of peace. And it says in many times, many three times in here, David ran to the front of the line. He ran to the front because he had the feet of peace. Um, verse 51. I mean, yeah, verse 50. So David triumphed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone without a sword, a sword in his hand. He struck down the Philistine and killed him. Um, This is a very powerful little verse right here because it said, without a sword, David struck the Philistine. David didn't need a sword because he had the sword of the spirit. And if you ever wonder why I asked God, I prayed about this a lot. I asked God, I said, God, why did David choose five stones? (laughs) And David chose five stones, but I only needed one. Because he he had the spirit, with the spirit was in one. And I was watching a YouTube video on the, the shepherd sling, on how you sling it. It's not an, it's an accurate thing, four out of five, but it's not accurate like a gun. And so David didn't need a sword because he had, the spirit was with him in one stone with one person. And the spirit, sometimes you need the spirit to guide you into you know different ways and different stuff like that. You know, you need you, you need the spirit to guide you. And so David had the spirit with him. Um Carrie <laughs> I don't want to I don't want to get too uh but you I, know. I
1: think that's great. I mean by the time they're in battle and David is going after Goliath he is saying I come in the name of the Lord but that's what's really interesting to me. He's asking what's going to be done for the person who actually defeats. And they're like, oh, well, your wealth and your family will be exempt from taxes, and you'll get to marry the king's daughter, which is interesting because he'd already been anointed to be king at this point. He already had a one-way ticket to the palace. And he'd been in Saul's service, which is fascinating to me because by the time Saul's like, who is that boy? He doesn't even recognize the harp player when he's down there in the battlefield. He's yeah. very out of place in this whole scenario, but it's not until Goliath starts taunting him and calling on his gods that David gets offended enough to want to fight him.
0: Yeah, I, I, I do, and and it and it shows how in the verses how it says Goliath cursed David by his gods, and so David used his word. He used, and it says that David. I mean, Goliath had a shield and how he had his shield in front of him. And it was the wrong shield, (laughs) you know, the shield of faith, which David had in front. It was an invisible shield. So Goliath had his shield and David had his shield. Goliath had his God, his word, and David had his word and his and, and Jesus and God And one of them won out. And one of them won out. And the truth won out. Really, the truth won out. Because he said, you come to me with, um, I will show you that it's not by spear or javelin, that it's by the word of God, by every word of the living God. And so this is an epic battle of two armors. One is invisible. One is not. One you can feel, touch, and, and, and the one that you can feel and touch lost. So that's just—I mean—that's the bottom line. The whole, the whole David and Goliath, the, the the visible armor lost, and you can say whatever you want to say. It just say he lost, man. It's just plain and simple. And it, and and uh, I love reading this particular uh, scripture because it shows the many ways David utilized all the different armors: the feet of peace, the sword of the spirit the belt of truth with the words he said. And it's just amazing how God opens up the scriptures and shows us that we can defeat anything if we put on the armor. If we put on the armor, we can defeat anything out there, anything, COVID, whatever it is, if we put on the armor. And and it all starts with salvation. It all starts with the helmet of salvation. Uh, That's the most important thing. Um there's a saying that says if you kill the head the body's got to go. Um if if you if you kill the head, I mean the, the I mean you're gone. So the helmet it starts with the helmet of salvation and then it goes to the breastplate of righteousness, the shield of faith, you know, the feet of peace, the belt of truth, the sword of the spirit. Take on these things and <laughs> You can you could pretty much guarantee you could win anything in life, whether it be uh, another person, whatever. These are guaranteed winners.
1: I think we end up in the armor of God, but to get to that place, there's another weapon at play, and that is humility.
0: Yes, I agree. I I can agree with that.
1: David actually needed to realize that this is the first shall be last and the fat last shall be first concept at play here. He needed to realize that the pride that Goliath was showing up with
0: yeah, needed to it, it be uh,
1: beheaded, and he didn't feel like in his own strength, in his own confidence. He, could, he never would have put Saul's armor on in the first place if he was confident. He had the humility already inside of him to realize he was a servant of the Most High God. That's yeah. why it provoked him when Goliath shows up blaspheming other gods who, he said, hurling insults at him He David. said, who
0: is this Philistine who who uh, blasphemed the, the living God? Um, and if you notice how his family tithed to the army and, and to the commander. Hang on a second
1: before you move on to tithing. Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living, living God. God? Yes, yes. So yes. there is acknowledgement that... Mm-hmm. I myself am not enough in my own strength, in my own power, in my own experience. I can't just show up with what I'm used to in my slingshot and start tearing down invisible enemies. I first need to humble myself before God and realize that he is the living God.
0: Yes, amen. He has
1: all that is needed to conquer whatever it is we're facing, including COVID-19, including fill in the blank. The enemy will show up with his conceit and with his vile insults and try to provoke you into a spirit of fear, which is the state of the entire army. But David showing up at this point and saying, "Hang on,"
0: now let me ask you a my question. My God is let greater. Me ask, let me ask you a question. Do you think it was coincidence that he just happened to be there? Because it says that he, uh, his dad said, "Go give these. Go give this." Uh, this tithing to the commanders, and he just he went and gave the gave the the the, the tithing, and then he was, and he happened to see this battle. This battle happened to be Goliath happened to be there, and I think sometimes God puts us in in a situation to where we can show His power and His glory. Like I really think God put God had that perfect storm set up, okay, he's going to be at this place at this time, you know, that way he could, you know, show God's magnificent glory.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, God didn't choose to use the strongest Israelite with a sharpened sword to take Goliath down. He actually allowed all of these factors to come into place to stack the deck against them so that God could be glorified through the whole experience.
0: That's amazing. That, I mean, if you, if you think about it, it's, it's really amazing the way the, the, the whole battle took place.
1: Well, let's talk about all the factors of being stacked against. I mean, not only do they not have weapons, but David himself is disregarded as the youngest of eight se- sons. So not only is he sizably the worst matchup to take Goliath down, but when he goes to the front lines, which is an act of obedience to his father, compare that on a spiritual realm level to go take word of everyone is good well-being back to his dad, who's worried about the other brothers. Now, while he's there, he's going, what is this? Who's this giant? What's happening? Why is he standing there insulting the one living God, and we're all just putting up with it? At this point, David's brother, Eliab, shows up.
0: David, yeah, yeah, he says, David, wh- what are you doing? He he actually gets mad at David. I heard I him speaking it.
1: with the man, and he burned with anger. He got mad at his little brother, and he's like, you again, conceited, weak at heart, you bratty little brother, get out of my room. And David has a choice. It is so easy for us to fall back into old patterns, and the enemy knows how to get in your mind. And remind you of the story that you've been telling yourself about yourself your whole life, especially when you're spiritually weakened.
0: And he would, and you just said it. Uh, sometimes the enemy will use family against you. Mm-hmm. And I know it's it, it, it's it's painful to hear. And I mean, I, I to all my family out there, I love y'all. But <laughs> um, it has happened to me.
1: Because those closest to us affect us the most.
0: I believe that he knows that if he could have stopped it right there before it ever started, that he, you know, the enemy would have succeeded. But David didn't allow that to happen, you know. But no,
1: he didn't. He said, what have I done now? What, can I not even speak? And then he turns around, probably rolls his eyes and consults someone else. Now, see if that were me. And I weren't right in my mind coming to that moment. I would have tucked my tail between my legs, started crying, why are you always picking on me?
0: And would have never went into the battlefield. Exactly.
1: I think that a lot of these experiences was God preparing David to be the mighty king that he would be later, who then annihilated the Philistine army. So yeah. when we get to the point where all the people are rejoicing over David's victory and Saul is inflamed with jealousy, I don't think that that was a moment necessary of inflation. I think it was a moment of prophecy. Yeah, Saul has yeah. killed thousands, David ten thousands. That became true later.
0: Well, David was always, I mean, his relationship with God, um, it, uh, God describes it as a man... Uh, after his own heart, and so his relationship with God was second to, I mean, it was, (laughs) it was so intimate, almost like, you know, it's envious, I mean, so I was like, wow, man, he really had a special relationship with God, like, I mean, on a level that we all want to have, you know, and uh, that's, that's what I I like about David, um, that intimacy, with uh, God, and uh, it's amazing. Once once you experience it, it's it's, it's amazing, and you can uh, do a lot of things, great things, great, great, great things.
1: Well, it's just the chapter before in 1 Samuel sixteen that David was anointed by Samuel to become the next king. So what I'm really seeing is a picture of David believing God, and we're all given promises for our lives as believers, but we doubt. We let the spirit of fear show up and ask questions against God, which is the first sin that occurred in the Garden of Eden. Did God really say? And yet David lays hold of the promises of God, that when Samuel anointed him as king, even though it was many years before he actually made it to the throne, he's showing up and going, I won't be discouraged. I won't back down. I trust God. He is the living God. So again, to me, it's another moment of submission, of humility, of not inflating himself, but actually taking up his cross, believing what God said.
0: And yeah, that's that's hard to, um, because there's some, uh, in today's society, it's so hard to have that type of belief with all the distractions that's going on.
1: Distractions and it's... At verse 33, Saul replied, You are not able to go out against this Philistine and fight him. You are only a young man, and he's been a warrior from his youth. Sometimes even the voices of those in authority or in governance over us in this land is leading us down a path that says... Don't believe God. Don't stand on your faith. Don't do impractical things. Wear a mask. Keep your distance. So what did he
0: say? Read that. Keep reading. What did he say after that?
1: But David said to Saul, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it. I want you to notice he's, he's changed from talking about himself in third person to in verse 35 in first person. We see the boldness of the Holy Spirit showing up in this moment. I went after it, struck it, and rescued the sh- sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by its hair, struck it, and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine—again, he's standing in faith on the one true living God—is on his side. Will be like one of them because he's been defied. He has defied the armies of the living God.
0: So th- that go- that's an amazing um, verse because it shows that gave that david gave his testimony matters if you got a testimony out there anybody listening that david gave his testimony i look i killed a lion and i killed a bear and a lot of times when we when we give our testimony there's a release of grace um whenever you give your testimony Uh, i've given my testimony i wrote the book three um to to a lot of people and it it kind of released a certain amount of grace in my life and so testimony does matter um
1: we see that in this scripture where Saul starts out saying you cannot do this he ends up by saying go and the Lord be with you so he turned Saul in his favor by the word of his testimony
0: yeah so that's um what verse is that that's
1: that is the end of 37.
0: Verse, I can, I, uh, verse, um, David said to the Philistine, come against you with the sword and a spear and a javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies Israel, whom you have defiled. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hands and I will strike you down and cut off your head. This very day, I will give the your caucus of the Philistine army to the birds and the wild animals, and the whole world will know that there is a God of Israel. All those gathered here will know that it is not by sword or spear that is that the Lord saves for the battle. It is, and will give you all of you into. So it's not about a it's not about a sword and spear that God uh, saves but it's by the word of God. And, um, so he's basically saying it's not by the physical. It's not by the seen, but the unseen, not by the visible, but the invisible. And so David, David had the invisible armor armor on him.
1: So how do we activate that invisible power that's available to us?
0: Through, through the cross. There's only one way. Um, to activate this armor right here in 2020 is is there's only one way and that's through jesus that's the only way you can activate the armor i mean that's the only way through salvation that's the only way you can obtain salvation it's So, how do jesus. we
1: obtain salvation
0: repent r- repent turn what does from, that
1: look like what does that mean to repent
0: to give up all your sins and 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 confess them To um, Cry out, confess all your sins to uh, G- accept Jesus in your life.
1: And the way that we do that is actually by opening our mouth and speaking the
0: S- Yeah, speaking the word. You have to speak the words.
1: I really love that this tiny little boy is standing in front of this giant. And he's saying, this day the Lord will deliver you into my hands and I'll strike you down and cut off your head. This very day I will give the carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds and the wild animals, and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. Before he manifested physically, he created it spiritually by speaking words, which he did not author. He was coming into agreement with what God gave him permission to do. He was laying hold of, despite the discouragement from his brother, despite the physical, sizable difference between the two, despite the king saying, you can't do this thing, he said, this is what I will do. <laughs> and it's not because he was conceited or prideful. It's because he trusted God and he had faith and he was willing to speak that out and move in obedience. And look what God did. He backed him up. He showed up. He had favor.
0: He trusted. He trusted God. Mm-hmm. And some some people, it's hard, to, it's hard to put trust. It's hard to trust when... The 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 enemy is so huge. The obstacle you're facing is so big, and sometimes you feel like it's an unfair fight. And and it's you know if if you don't have that faith, it's it's hard to trust God. You know if you're if you're not saved, it's it's hard to put your trust in God if you don't know God. If he you know and um. But if you if you could find the strength and 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 find the um uh, the courage, it takes courage. It took a lot of courage, and, you know, David, David had that courage to where it was almost like a confidence. It was like a, a boldness he had, and uh, he acted on it.
1: So I really want to encourage everyone out there listening to also lay hold of their faith, their trust, and also humility, to be willing to say, I'm here, use me. And take your eyes off of what you see. Take your ears out of what you're hearing. And instead, put your eyes on God. What is he asking you to do? What is he leading you into? When you lay hold of that and agree with God and speak that as true, you're not only prophesying over your own life, but you're giving glory to God as the one true living God.
0: Humility gives you the what? Ability. Humility gave David the ability. And... When you when you come to humbleness, um, you you, it, you you get an ability to to do a, a lot of things. I mean, it, it's it's amazing what humility can do. And um, with that being said, um, I would like to close out with uh, a a moment uh, with prayer. And so Carrie's gonna um, pray for this word and or anybody out there that might be listening or who who needs a, a, a word from God.
1: Father God, I just thank you for this time where we can open your holy scriptures, where we can examine the concepts of spiritual warfare in a new light, and where we can agree with you that strength and humility and obedience and boldness all align with what you call each and every one of us to do. I pray that as we go forth from this place that you will help us to make ourselves the least of these, to put ourselves at the end of the line, to become great leaders through our servanthood, through our humility. You tell us in your word that they'll know us by our works. So I pray that even in these difficult times that we live in, that you would cause us to shine brightly as a testimony of who you are because we're willing to stand up and love each other, and serve each other, and shine brightly as your church in a dark world. Father, we love you, and we just pray that this seed would fall on fertile soil, that if there was anything that was spoken out of turn, that you would cast it down, and that the places in what we've talked about that will bear fruit, that you will just multiply it, press it down, shake it up, make it run over. We love you, Lord, and we thank you for how you show up for us every single day. Amen.
0: Amen. So stay tuned for the next episode. we got a, we got a next episode we're going to be coming with and uh, so be sure to tune in on Anchor. We got, we're on seven different platforms. Spotify is the main source. So go check us out on Spotify. We've got a Facebook page called 3Talk. Uh, send an email. If you got any questions or comments be sure to send an email. And uh, we'll be happy to answer those.
1: The email is the number three, three talk podcast at gmail.com. And we will do our best to address your concerns or questions on the next ep- episode.
0: Yes. And so we are out. Bye. Bye.